Welcome to the Transform Sales Podcast, where forward-thinking business leaders come to share their experiences and ideas, learn from each other, and amplify their results together. Hey guys, what's up? Amir Ryder here for another episode of the Transform Sales Podcast. I got my guest, founder Tiffany Spall Nali, and I, I always have trouble uh, pronouncing the the uh, your your last name, but I got it right this time. I think founder of Rev Envy back in out in uh, out in Tampa, huh? Yep, St. Pete Beach. Well, I appreciate you joining us for this episode. I think um, we recently connected and I, uh, I I convinced you to get onto a podcast pretty quickly and share some of your learnings being new to the industry. I think you've been an owner of an agency for how long now? It's been two, three years it's, or? I know, brand new, six months. So it just I, started. Yeah. I like it. I'm sure these questions are going to be still resonating because I'm sure you've seen a lot of the problems that, that uh, buyers have been making. Typically on this episode, we like to kind of focus on who you are, right? Like what your agency focuses, like what your best buyers are, but really also talk about mistakes buyers make because at the end of the day, um, a lot of revenue is lost from, from buyers hiring the wrong agency or setting the wrong expectations or managing it the wrong way. So just being transparent. So that first time buyers who are listening to this can uh, avoid those mistakes. And of course, other agencies can network with you. So before I get into that, it'd be great for, for you to just tell everybody who you are and how you got into the outsourced sales business. What made you start this company six months ago? Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation and be on the podcast. Um, so I just started uh, RevMB six months ago. Um, I've been in sales my entire career. I absolutely love sales. And actually, we moved from Kentucky to Florida uh, almost a year ago, like three weeks, it'll be a year ago. Um, and we had just sold our house. And literally the day after I sold our house, like we had just signed the contract the day after I found out that I was a part of a layoff and I lost my job. So um, in the midst of moving and, you know, going through all this transition with the house, um, I just took the first position that came available. Um, and it was a contract position. I'd never been a contractor before. Um, I was contracted to come in for a three month uh, span and, and basically set up their sales processes um, at a, a young SaaS startup. So um, did that. And as I was going through it, I thought like, why am I not doing this for more companies? Like I, this is what I really enjoy. I've, I've worked for you know, quite a few startups and I love that startup feel. So I decided, you know, everything happens for a reason. And there, you know, there was some reason that, uh, you know, I lost my job the day after we sold our house and came to this contract position that I probably would have never taken otherwise. I would have, you know, went for another full-time position. So started the, the agency and I really focus on a, a process that um, has been a part of my sales process throughout my career in enterprise sales. Um, and that's, focused around a lot around LinkedIn. Um, so we're a little different than a lot of agencies. We don't just do email marketing. We do. Well, well you're, you're rolling into my, my second question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause you there. I'm going to recap. Yeah. You're just, you're, so you got really good at a hard thing, right? Which was sales. Um, well, you can rewind that, right? It, ironically, I'll tell you what the difference between a, a contractor job and a, a full-time job is that the government takes your taxes before you have an opportunity to spend it and own the money. That's really the only difference. So obviously you're creating <laughs> yeah. a track income. So it's a kind of this weird thing where you're like, oh my God, the work I'm doing under a W-2 is different than the work I'm doing under a contract. But I promise you that that $5,000 that hits your account is the same money to your bank account. So it's uh, worlds are colliding where I think people realize that these are just terms. So um, contractor, employee, you know, bananas and apples, different fruits, same fruits. Yeah. Um, and then you became really good at, you've always been really good at sales. 
and then you're doing it for a SaaS startup and you kind of realize that, hey, I'm passionate about helping companies, right? And B, I'm really good at this. Well, that sounds like a, a good story to me. Anybody listening to this, I'm sure if, you're, if your path is also uh, opening an own agency and being an owner because you're really good at it, uh, Tiffany is somebody to connect with because she's she's just did it six months ago. So it's good to do it not alone and with community. Um, you kind of got into my next question. Let's talk about uh, RevEnvy. You know, what type of companies and industries are you helping? What are you focusing in on? Um, so I really focus on SaaS startups because that's where my experience is. Um, I do some like high ticket consultants just because it's happened to work out that way. Um, and it kind of aligns with what I'm doing now, but mostly SaaS startups. And uh, we specifically focus on um, outbound lead generation. So we don't do closing. We just do top of funnel activity. You just do the most important part where the sales come from, right? Right, exactly. I'm a big believer that AE work is not customer support work. If we listen to the stats about how buyers are in control, but sometimes we don't listen to the own stats we we put out. Um, but that's, that's awesome. Tell me a little bit about... So SaaS companies, do you focus on a region? Is there a particular region in the United States? Would you, would you work with SaaS companies that are in Singapore, APAC, or is it mainly U.S.-based? Um, we will work with anyone, anywhere. Um, just, you know, depends on where the need is. So there's a lot of SaaS companies that really everywhere. But um, so far, my focus has mostly been U.S., but I'm not opposed to working with anyone. Do, do, you, do you mainly work with startups that are seed round funded or, or bootstrapped? Or is there a size of a company, a headcount that you look for or more of a product market fit? Like what's, what separates within SaaS companies? Like what, in, what does it look like when you focus on SaaS and you get a little deeper? What are your, your best people that you help? Um, so I, I mostly focus on pretty early stage. Um, maybe they've like had um, seed round. They're trying to make it to their, you know, Series A. Um, but you know, I do have some that are trying to make that like next round, um, pretty much B and below. But that doesn't mean that I couldn't, you know, help anyone beyond that. Just I feel like at that very early stage, they're still trying to figure out like, who is my real, you know, ideal client profile? Like, what are those personas I should be reaching out? So mm -hmm. that's a part of what we do. We come in and help you identify all of the, um, both your ICP, your IPP, um, and nail that down so we can really target messaging in. Um, but it also helps them in uh, every other aspect of their business. So you guys really, you, you, you like the, the market validation campaign, right? The one that's actually yeah. kind of creating what channels are working, what's messaging working. Uh, I was going to ask, but it almost sounds like, you know, what, what does set your agency apart from other sales agencies when it comes to servicing your ideal customer? Is it, is it, is it what we're talking about now? Yeah, because a lot of agencies will just come in and, you know, put together their messaging and send out, you know, mass emails. We come in and really handhold and figure out because a lot of times in that early stage, they don't know exactly who is the best fit for the product yet. They're still testing it out, trying to figure it out. They don't know how they should message differently. You know, if they're targeting, you know, CEOs of, um, you know, the Fortune 500 as opposed to CEOs of the, you know, a, a 200 employee company. So um, we really focus on that and not just create the systems and 
put the systems in place and actually um, you know, drive them with SDRs on the back end, but set them up for success going forward. So they know what their you know target personas are for everything else, um, not just you know that top of funnel activity. Yeah, this is, I'm like this is where that question of how you got into the business comes into play, right? Because if you listen to how you answered it, you worked for a software company that was probably in market validation stage. Um, the hardest part, right? You crushed it. And you said that these skills I have, my, my ability to understand what a market validation campaign is, what's, what's that new part. And, and that's, it turns into your ideal customer profile, right? Uh, in a way we're now, you know, the best people you serve. And like I said before, obviously it's not your question, right? Every agency services everybody. We don't tell people agencies that they can't service somebody. We're always just trying to focus in on that 80, 20 rule, right? Like what brought you here is usually what your, your super strength is. Um, so basically companies that are SaaS companies located in the United States right that are looking for market validation and by the way anyway listening market validation is a term that people don't talk about a lot right and it's a it, it's it's really it's really the point where you have predictable repeatable outcomes because you've tested your messaging and messaging only works for a certain time right so in the time frame it's it's also working and it's often what we see people skip right they kind of just want revenue and roi and they don't see the value in the you know well, why would you not take this meeting? Well, what's wrong with my messaging? That's the real, the, you know, the pain is usually the real gain, right? Uh, and right. they overlook that. So um, that makes sense. I, I, I like the fact that you've uh, turned a business into what you do really well. I think that's what's builds trust and authority, right? Um, talk to me about mistakes that buyers make, right? Like what's the biggest challenge you've encountered when you see buyers going through the selection process? And I'm not talking about mistakes they make that like hurt your ability to convert them as a customer, right? What mistakes do they make that you've seen that that affect their ability to select the right provider and set a, a relationship off on the right tone? Is there something you've seen happen that you want to talk about? Um, I think it, especially with the clients that I'm working with, it's such like an intimate relationship. You know, you really get to know their business um, on a much deeper level, or I get to know their their business on a much deeper level. Um, and I think some of the mistakes that um, those early CEOs and founders find themselves making is that they just they want appointments they want to have meetings right now um, so they take one of the um, lead gen companies that say oh well we'll get you leads and then they end up having a lot of meetings that aren't qualified meetings so now the CEO who is strapped for time and is worried about product and um, you know sales and every, absolutely everything else now they're wasting time with meetings that aren't going anywhere. That makes a lot of sense. So for everybody listening, right, this is a common uh, answer we hear over and over again. And it's, it's, it's expecting results. For, if you come into a buying process, right, and you're buying a house that's pre-construction and you plan on living it in month three, you're probably going to be disappointed. And it's really the same thing when it comes to your, your, um, your go-to-market strategy. And, and it's, you know, I'll, I'll speak freely from a service owner that has moved to a marketplace owner that a lot of agencies, if they don't tell you the truth, you're going to go somewhere else. Right. So this buying behavior of having the wrong expectations and wanting people to tell you what you want to hear, it creates an industry where everyone's going to say, yes, I can get you 15 meetings. Right. They turn into meetings that waste your time because it's kind of what you want to hear. And they're, it's almost this concept of like, do I tell the buyer the truth? If I tell the buyer the truth, it will go elsewhere. So buyers, if you're listening to this, please heed our advice. Don't build forecasted plans on best case scenarios. Build them on worst case scenarios and try to beat them. It's just logical, right? Like think about a budget. If you budget $1,000 and you spend $1,100, you are broke. 
if you budget 1500 and you spend 1100 you got plus 400 the same logic applies to hiring a sales agent and probably a lot of things in your life um, that we're not going to get into in this conversation because that's a different episode completely um so i appreciate that that makes sense i hear that i've seen that i know it i wish buyers would stop and i wish sellers would stop promising false um false promises but i think it's a takes two to tango kind of situation, right? Um, what about mistakes buyers make when they're actually working with you, right? Like, like a buyer comes in, expectations are right. They found they found you. They're a SaaS startup in the United States. They know what a market validation campaign is. They see the value in all these things. But now they're working with you and all of a sudden they change, right? Um, if they do, they might not. But have you seen uh, a behavior that buyers make while working with you that affects their ability to get the results they expect? Yeah. So especially um, early on, I guess I'd not know. You don't know what you don't know. Um, now I'm more particular about who I will bring on. Um, but I have a very specific process and it's very LinkedIn heavy. So while we do email outreach and text and uh, you know, every other outreach that you know, ev every lead generation company uses, we specifically focus a lot of time and effort on LinkedIn and content creation and um, doing LinkedIn outreach. Um, so, you know, I've had clients that say, oh, yeah, that's good. And then when we get in and start working, they're like, yeah, but I don't really want you to do anything on my LinkedIn profile, even though like we're very specific about that up front. Like we'll use our own employees and create outreach from our own employees. But the point is to create your brand and to drive your brand and create content so you're seen as an expert. Because if we're reaching out and making connections and driving traffic to your LinkedIn page, which by the way is results in like 50% of all website traffic originates on at LinkedIn. So that's like your mini landing page. Um, and if you're not doing anything there and you don't want me to do anything there, then the pro whole process kind of falls apart. So. Um, I think but I know you're talking about there because I'm very much I, I, I try my best to, to be one of those more futuristic CEOs where, where I push my brand and I push the content and I worked super hard to have 30,000 connections and I worked super hard to travel so that everybody in my team has a little bit of an easier time with awareness. Um, and, and I, I, you know, for everybody listening, I, I do lives every day. Right. And, and it's 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 to be that. Uh, a brand awareness for, for the marketplace to get to highlight the agencies that work out there. So some of the practices we're doing here are very similar to what you should be doing as well for your team, support your team. Um, if, if, and I've, I've seen that before as well, right? right? Like if a, a leader has a strong profile, they don't want you to use their profile. It's like, well, listen, it's your business. We're all one team, right? right. Um, I can't, I have to do a survey to find out why, you know, people are hesitant against it. Maybe it's because they're free, afraid their profile might get locked or something, but uh, I might get as a terms and condition technically on LinkedIn, but uh, I, I will find out why. We have a question from uh, one of the uh, viewers. It says, I have a question for Tiffany. How does Rev Envy help SaaS startups? What services does Rev Envy do to clients? I think we might have answered this um, already, but if you if you can dive deeper um, to some of your specific offerings, we could we could help answer this question from Tanjir. Yeah. Um, so we um, do, we obviously um, said, um, we set appointments as the ultimate end result, but we start with a, a different approach and help create those um, personas that you're reaching out to and really uh, drive messaging around that value proposition for each um, persona within your ideal client profile. Instead of just, you know, mass spraying and praying, we're you know, 
really um, drive down into those specific personas. Then ultimately the end goal is to set appointments. Now, whether we get appointments because we're creating content on your from your LinkedIn page or your staff's LinkedIn page, and that's also one route that's going to generate appointments, mm. um, or we're getting the appointments because we're you know doing LinkedIn outreach or email outreach or picking up the phone. Ultimately, we're driving appointments, which is, which is driving that top of funnel activity and building your pipeline. I, I want to home in on something you just said, because I heard you, I heard you mention set appointments multiple times. Mm -hmm. um, do you believe that the future of our business is setting appointments or driving revenue and engagement? And do you believe that we just live in a world of appointments because that's what buyers want, but it's not in there? And I hope I'm not framing my point of view by asking this question. I think I am. But, no, uh, um, I think we have a very similar point of view. So um, I say set appointments because that's what, just like I want. said earlier, that's what people want to hear. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I need appointments. I need appointments. But really, when I say set appointments, I'm we're setting qualified sales, qualified appointments that are real leads that are going to generate business. Because we're not about you know getting you a meeting. Like I can get you a meeting with anybody but are they a buyer are they really someone who has the budget who that you know the timing is right maybe not so the idea is to set really qualified appointments do, do you think way. we're going to stay there though do you think 2023 24 25 do you see the metric continuing to be qualified meetings or do you see a different world where we're measured in different ways um, well, I think it's, it doesn't always have to, I guess it depends on your particular software that you're selling or, you know, what, what it is you're selling. Because a lot of things, you know, these days don't necessarily have to be, they don't have to go to an appointment, you know, um, a lot of software, like I, I have a client that, um, our whole goal is just to get them to sign up for the free trial because they know once they get them on the free trial, they're going to buy. It's a fantastic software. So, um, so no, at some point, and depending on what solution it is, appointments don't really matter. It just matters that we're generating revenue, which is the end goal of the appointment, obviously. But if we could do that without an appointment, all the better. I, I think that buyers don't want appointments anymore. And I think that we're very slow to react with the federal government, right? Like we're like, we're, we are reacting very slow. I think engagement is what we should measure conversations. Did you find any of my content helpful? Great. Thanks. I think that's more valuable than a meeting that wastes an AE's time. Who's getting paid top dollar doesn't convert. Um, I don't think that, I think that we're going to eventually end at that result because I think that uh, VCs now are all about, efficiency. So it comes up from the top, right? So it's like now efficiency, not growth at all costs. So I think now we're going to be measuring things differently, right? I think, I think what's interesting for me is that like, we don't do these surveys, right? But I would beg to bet some money that there have been thousands of SDRs that lost their jobs, even though the company hit their financial forecasts quarterly, monthly, and annually. And that I find strange because it's like, why are you firing people if you're winning the game that you planned? Right. And it really, in my opinion, because I'm not an expert at why companies do these things. I think it's just because it's a follow the leader mentality and nobody's, you know, we kind of afraid to talk up, right? Like if a leader talks about this stuff in a, a boardroom, they can get fired for not going with the flow. So I feel like as soon as we start not going with the flow, being honest and speaking our mind faster, we can get to more efficiency and then more efficiency from there. Cause it's never going to end. I think perfection's never, you know, that's what things that makes us human, right? We, it's never good enough, but I think we, I think we are in a world where the value of meetings is going to be um, 
really less focused on and more the value of quality of conversation. Uh, I know Teeter Bortz, somebody who's in our community who talks about this all the time. I don't know if you ever catch his stuff and his content. He's called the Mad Scientist, but he's all about quality and he's always stat putting stats about this. Um, but that's great because I think from my listening to you, I think you know qualities were the way, but you know, there's always this yeah. way of what his clients want, right? Um, this has been awesome. Let me let me ask you one last question. If people want to reach out to you, they want to learn from you, um, they want to they want to mentor. Um, they're awesome at sales. They they're they're scared to take that leap to open an agency. You just did six months ago. How can they reach you? How can they contact you? And where can they find you? They can find me on LinkedIn. Um, they can call me. All my information is on LinkedIn as well, and my link tree with all of my links is on there. And that's probably the easiest way to reach me and find all my contact information. Yeah, Wait, link tree. I feel here. like the word link tree means something because I replaced my link tree with Bitly, but I, to me, it's still a link tree because it's just a thing, right? It, it's, it's like that name. It's like, it's like Airbnb, right? Or Uber, right? It's it's like a, it became the link tree where it's all your, your stuff's on it, but there's different link trees now. Uh, Tiffany, this has been amazing. I love your energy. I love the fact that you've joined the fight of quality and helping SaaS companies not mess stuff up. Uh, I hope to see you in Medellin for the uh, conference and I appreciate you joining today and everybody who tuned in, appreciate you tuning into the Transform Sales podcast and uh, our episode with Rev Envy. Thank you again. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it.